Good morning, church. Hallelujah. Well, it's great again to be together. And again, we are celebrating the Lord's Supper this morning. And what I'm going to do today is we're going to take a little time to elaborate a bit more. You know, again, uh, very often when we have um, Holy Communion, we assume everybody knows what it's all about. We have a little chat and then we go into it. But uh, today we're going to stop a little bit and just, and just think a bit about it and uh, its background, what it means. So we're going to, um, I'm going to start this conversation about uh, communion. Then you're going to actually have communion. You're going to continue worshiping just now and have communion. And after communion, I'm going to talk a little bit more about communion, okay? So we're going to have our communion as, uh, as our topic today, the Lord's Supper as our topic. Now, guys, memories are precious things, isn't it? Memories are precious. And memories keep us connected to people, to events, to special times in our lives, and um, things that influence our lives. And the things that we do to remember and to connect with these memories, it may be a trophy, a certificate, it could be a gift, it could be a, a ritual that we perform, or a gathering, a yearly gathering or regular gathering, which keeps us together to that memory. Isn't that so? Every, every nation has holidays in which they remember important historical events, events which affected that nation and everybody in it. And so they annually take time, they stop, and we remember those things. Um, I, I think it's about every one of you, once a year you have a, a day that you remember, the day you were born, okay? And it's kind of a special day, people send you messages, and, and you might have a little party or something, but we like, I mean, I, I think the day of your birth was a pretty significant day in your life, wasn't it? And so we like to remember these things, and, and so memories are important. Now, today we're having communion, we're having the Lord's Supper. And at that last supper, Jesus shared a meal. That Thursday night when Jesus got together with his disciples, he shared a meal with his disciples. And then, in the ancient observance of that Passover meal, remember, Jesus got together to celebrate the Jewish Passover meal. They had been celebrating that for hundreds of years. And again, he got together to celebrate that ancient Passover meal, which connected them with a historical event. It was the uh, Feast of Unleavened Bread or Passover, as it was called. And then Jesus used that opportunity, that ceremony, that memorial, he used that to plant a new memory, to plant a memory in the minds of his apostles over there in that upper room. A new memory. He shared that meal for their benefit and for our benefit. As Jesus raised the bread and the cup in thanksgiving, he added a new significance to an ancient ritual. Luke chapter 22 records that event. It says the following day in Luke 22. When the hour had come, he sat down. And the twelve apostles with him. And then he said to them, With fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. He took the cup and gave thanks. And then he said, 
take this, divide it amongst yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, he gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, this is my body, which is given to you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shared for you. I wonder if the apostles at that time fully understood what was going on. But Jesus had just changed the significance of that Passover meal into something else. And in fact, they only fully realized what Jesus had said after his resurrection. Because that night, they, they didn't quite grasp it. They're going to kill me. I'm going to die. But then on the third day, I'm going to rise again. And, and the guys are not really grasping onto this. They're not taking Jesus seriously. Only after the fact, after the events, then they connected the dots. But the fact is, this is what happened that night. And churches of Jesus, Christian churches, have been doing this ever since Jesus ascended. It was after his ascension, as the church began to gather together there in the first century, and as it grew and multiplied, and through the, throughout the last 2,000 years, churches have been doing this. Now, this practice of, of communion or the Lord's table or the Lord's supper, it goes by different names but means the same thing. This practice has been controversial and argued about for 2,000 years. Theologians and church leaders still today, they argue about this simple meal. How should we do it? What should we put in it? Who should be part of it? Where can we do it? And, and until today, people are arguing amongst you know, theologians and, and, and churches, church leaderships and so forth, arguing about this meal. It's still a controversial practice. And if you visit different churches, you'll notice there are different ways of doing it. Some churches only allow their members to take part. Everybody else must just watch. Some churches say, now you've got to be above a certain age. Some churches say, you've got to do a little course. There are different things going on about this meal. But the churches of Jesus, whatever their denomination and however they do it until today, they might be arguing about it, but they're still doing it. Churches over the place are having something called the Lord's Supper, the Lord's Table, communion, and so on. Now, in this passage that we've just read, like I said, it's that Thursday night. It was time for the annual Jewish Passover festival. And all Jews observed Passover, and they still do till today. They still do it. And so Jesus gathers some people together, his, his disciples together, and they eat that Passover. And then he does that thing where he takes the bread, he breaks it, and he passes it out. And he says, this is my body, guys. Well, that, that's not part of the traditional Jewish Passover. What do you mean? This is my body broken for you. Then he takes the cup. He says, come, everybody, take a sip from the cup now. Take a drink. Do this in remembrance of me. Every time you get together and you break bread and you drink the cup, do this and remember me. Okay? He adds this little phrase. Do this in remembrance of me. Jesus wanted his apostles, and then later on, 
all of his followers to do this. For what? To remember him. So why are we doing this today? Why do we have communion? To remember him. I mean, not that we can really forget Jesus, can we? But you see, he, he, he put in this little ritual, let's say, this little meal, this function, this memorial, this thing which connects us with the memory of what he did. A very significant event, not just in his life, but in all of our lives, because what he did 2,000 years ago didn't just affect Jesus, didn't just affect Jerusalem, didn't just affect the Jews, it affected the whole world. In fact, it affected the whole universe. And it's still affecting us today. And so we do this to connect us with an event. It's a memorial. Who started the Lord's Supper? Well, the Lord did. This is his idea, and he started this thing. Now, notice this, that Jesus didn't start it to be just a ritual. Now, now listen, nothing wrong in rituals. Rituals can be good and can be healthy. For example, I hope all of you guys have a daily ritual of brushing your teeth. I hope so. It's a good ritual. There are good rituals, and we should have healthy and rituals in our lives. But... There are some people that they take certain things, especially religious rituals. They kind of begin to do it almost like automatically, mechanically, without stopping to reflect on the meaning behind the ritual. Just walk into church, go through the motions, walk out of church, and if you ask them, hey, what, what happened inside there? Or, what did you do? Or, why did you do it? Oh, no, I was just there. I had communion. And, and it's something we do. Every time we go to church, or once a month, or once a year, whatever. See, they, it's become a, a, an empty ritual. There's no meaning anymore. Jesus never intended the Lord's Supper to be a meaningless ritual. He didn't start it to be some kind of initiation process. In some groups, the communion can be served to initiate somebody into the church, or into a new phase of life, or they've got to do some course, and then they, they, they take the meal. That was never Jesus' intention with communion. We as preachers and theologians and church leaders, we've taken something so simple and we've complicated it. So that people, depending where they are, sometimes feel so distant from this holy table, you know. And you're going to see today as we go on that this is a very simple meal, a very simple act which Jesus himself introduced and invites all of us to come to his table. Jesus took an old symbol and filled it with new meaning. The meaning of Jesus' words and actions is rooted in that command that he said, remember, remember, remember me. As today's disciples, we observe the Lord's Supper in remembrance of Christ. Some congregations refer to this ordinance as the memorial supper to highlight the significance of Christ's atoning work on the cross. You know, the, 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 the memorial of his death. Uh, some congregations um, refer to this as communion, giving the emphasis on our intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. However, 
what it, it matters is this, that Jesus wanted us to remember him, but he wanted us to remember more than just the fact that he existed. We are now going to take part in the Lord's Supper, and then afterwards we'll continue to look, to look at a little bit more details and facts about the Lord's Supper. But as you have seen, it was Jesus who started the Lord's Supper. This is the Lord's table. This is not our church's table or a certain denomination's table. This is the Lord's table. And Jesus invites all of those who would follow him to come and take part. You don't take part because you are, you are worthy, because you haven't sinned this week, and, and because you're almost close to perfection, and so you're really worthy to come and take part in this table. No. But you take part in this table because you acknowledge that you need a Savior. And you trust in Jesus for that salvation. You acknowledge that you are not perfect. That you do sin. And you accept His salvation and His forgiveness. That is why I take part. I follow Jesus because I need a Savior. And I come to this table because I need my Jesus. I am not perfect. I'm still being changed. Hopefully, I'm, I'm, I'm a little different today than I was 20 years ago. I want to become more and more like Jesus, which is not always easy. And that's why I need a Savior. So, this table here today is open to all who would accept the invitation of Jesus. You do not have to be a member of this church to take part in this table. Okay? So you're welcome. We've got a table in front. You've got a table at the back. Just now we're going to continue worshiping after I pray. And you're welcome to go to one of the tables and take a piece of bread, take a cup, and then eat the bread and drink the cup and remember Jesus. By the way, for those that don't know, we use grape juice for our, in our cups. And so if you've got children, you can serve them as well. Yes, we encourage parents to serve their children as well. And then tell them, you know, as they grow up, as they ask questions, teach them why you're doing it and why we do this. And we'll talk a little bit more about later. Today, Kids Church, they will not join us because they're outside, as you heard, busy with preparations for next Sunday's Indian event. But normally they're part of the ceremony as well. And next month they'll be back with us. We're going to continue now with the time of worship, okay? So feel free to take part and be blessed as you do. Let us just pray. Please stand with me as we pray. Father God, I thank you for this bread, fruit of the earth, reminding us of your body, which was broken for us. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you said that you took upon yourself, upon your body, all our sicknesses and diseases and infirmities. And as we eat of this bread today, Lord Jesus, I pray your blessing upon us, upon your people. We pray for healing for sickness and disease, for restoration. Lord God, we pray that infirmities will be healed. Lord, we thank you for the fruit of the vine, the cup that reminds us of your blood shed for us. Lord Jesus, thank you that because your blood was shed, we are forgiven. And today we remember that, Lord. Thank you that it's not about what we've done, it's about what you have done. And so, Lord, please help us to become more and more like you. Forgive us of our sins and help us to turn our backs on anything that does not honor you, Lord. And so we worship you by coming to your table today, Lord, taking the bread, taking the wine, and remembering your Jesus. 
Thank you for your blessing upon this meal. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Be blessed as we worship and as we take part in communion. Thank you. So let's carry on then. What does the Lord's Supper mean? As I said, it is not just a matter of, you know, um, remembering Jesus. There is more to the Lord's Supper. And so to get the full meaning, you actually have to go back in history. Remember I said that the Lord's Supper is actually linked to a historical event. And in Exodus chapter 12, you can read there about the institution of the Passover, the Jewish Passover. Uh, there's a history to it. The Israelites had been slaves in Egypt for hundreds of years. And the time came for God to set them free. And so he sent Moses to Egypt and Moses gave Pharaoh the message. These are God's people. They are not to be slaves anymore. You ought to set them free. And Pharaoh said no. And so the Lord sent a punishment, a plague upon Egypt. And Pharaoh said, no. So God sent another one. He said, no. What a tough guy. And, and a plague upon plague came upon Egypt, and the Pharaoh would just not release the people of God. The last plague was a tough one. Every firstborn male in Egypt would die. That's a tough one. You must understand, you know, God is love, but God is justice and judgment as well. And when we don't submit to his will, when we don't do what is right, uh, we have to suffer the consequences. And so Egypt had to suffer the consequences because they will not let go. And starting with the king, and he speaks for the people. And so God said, every firstborn in Egypt will die. Whether you're Egyptian or Israelite, every firstborn in every household in Egypt will die. But God told the Israelites how to avoid this plague for themselves. They were to take a lamb, kill that lamb, a lamb without defect, a healthy one, as perfect as possible. Kill that lamb and then spread the blood around and over their doors. And then when the death, the angel of death would pass over Egypt, or they would see this house and go over the house, pass over the house. That's why it's called the Passover festival, because the angel would not touch the firstborn of any house which had blood on their doors. With the Lord's Supper, Jesus was bringing a new meaning to this ancient celebration of supper. Until today, every Easter, the Jews get together, and they remember that day. Actually, it's thousands of years ago now that this thing happened. And today still, Jewish people get together and they remember and they celebrate that historical event when the people put blood on their doors and the angel of death passed over, did not kill them. And because of that, eventually the Pharaoh woke up and he set them free and the time of slavery came to, the, to an end in Egypt for the Jews. And that's what, that's what they celebrate until today. But what Jesus was bringing a new significance to that, that when we belong to Jesus, we are covered by his blood. Our lives are marked by the blood of Jesus. Because of our sin, we should also die in that plague that kills sinners. Because sin kills. Sin is a plague. And we should die in that plague. But because of the blood of Jesus, death passes over us and we don't get to die. By trusting in Jesus, we are passed over and delivered from the punishment of our sin. And the Lord's Supper represents in a visual way what has already occurred to us in spiritually. 
spiritually, we have been touched by the blood of Jesus. We are passed over. That plague will not kill us. That sin will not kill us because of what Jesus has done. Jesus gave his body on the cross for us. He poured out his blood on the cross for us. So the Lord's Supper means and the Lord's Supper reminds us that we have a lamb. The lamb of God who gave himself up for us. We read in John 1.29. When John the Baptist saw Jesus coming to him, he cried out, Look! The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now, John knew very well that this guy approaching him is his cousin. It's Jesus. But you see, John had an insight. He understood that Jesus wasn't just his cousin. He was the Son of God. He understood why Jesus came. And as he was coming, he connected the Jewish Passover, the shedding of the blood of Lamb, so that the people wouldn't die. He saw Jesus. This is the Lamb of God. His blood will prevent that we die because of our sins. This is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. In Exodus 12, the Lamb was sacrificed for the deliverance of one family. But at the cross, the Lamb of God was sacrificed to deliver the whole world from the power and penalty of sin. The Passover lamb in Egypt served as a substitute for the firstborn of Israel. But Jesus was our substitute, substituted for the whole world at Calvary. Without the death of the lamb and the spreading of its blood, the children of Israel would have suffered the judgment of God without the shedding of blood of Jesus and his death in our place, we would have no hope of salvation. We cannot save ourselves. A sinner cannot save another sinner. We need a Jesus, the perfect lamb. So every time we observe the Lord's Supper, we need to remember what Jesus did for us, not just the fact that he existed. Whenever we take this bread and this cup, we are connecting ourselves with the Passover lamb, who is Jesus himself. Now, how should we observe the Lord's Supper? How should we do it? We go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11 for a little bit of an insight on this one. And I'm reading just from verses 26 to 31. There is more in that chapter. But this, these verses will give us a, a bit of an insight. It says, therefore, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. That's 1 Corinthians 11, 26 to 31, if you want to take note of that. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner, eats and drinks judgment for himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. This is again one of those passages which people have turned this into a, 
a bit of a controversial script, and they say, yeah, you see, you've got you, to be worthy to be able to, to, to drink. You've got to be perfect. You've got to be right. You cannot sin. You cannot be crossed. You, you're, you're. And we have to understand the historical positioning of this passage. You see, in the first century, first of all, let's start here. It says, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup. So how often should it be done? Well, the answer is often. There is no time frame. Do it often. And that means as long as it's being done, the time frame is okay. And, and by the way, you don't have to wait for a communion service or at a, at a church to have communion. You can have communion at home if you want, with family, with friends, even on your own. Jesus said, with, with two or three of you are gathered, I'm there. You and the Holy Spirit is enough, okay? And then he'll be there as well. And, and so communion is something which anyone can do. Remember, Jesus said, it's a meal for you to get together and remember me. So in the first century, after Jesus ascended, they began to do this, to practice this, uh, the, the Lord's Supper. And they would do it in those early days every single day. You read the book of Acts, you find a church in Jerusalem, they would meet every single day in somebody's home or in the temple courts. What they would do is, at the end of the day, people would bring some food and so forth. They would share a meal together. And then as part of that meal, they would take bread, break it. They would take a cup, pass it around, and remember Jesus. Remember what he did. Now, that practice began to spread. As the gospel spread, as we went out of Jerusalem and all around, it spread. It got to Corinth. Now, in Corinth, this was a, a city made of different, different uh, peoples, different ethnicities, and, and Greeks and Jews and everything else. And, and the church, they began to thrive. Now, remember, when the church got together, everybody came there. The rich, the poor, the masters, the slaves, everybody came together. But then something very bad began to happen. They would come together and everybody would bring the food and some people would go early to this meeting and just eat all the food. There's some poor guy, he comes a bit later and, and there's no food for him. They would bring food and in those days they would break, do the meal uh, with wine. They'd bring wine as well. So some guys would come and, and drink a little bit too much wine and get real happy at the church service, you know. And so when you read that chapter, Paul says, listen, you want to eat and you drink, do it at home. When you come to church, you're coming to share something. People are not waiting for another. Some brother, is some, maybe he's a slave, he has to work late. They don't wait for him. They get together and they start eating, eating, eating. When, when the poor brother slave comes, he comes late, they, there's no food, but I'm sorry, you're too late. And they said, no, you've got to wait. For, you're a family, you've got to wait for another. You've got to share this together. Another thing. And that's what Paul is talking about here. You've got to eat it worthily, okay? Um, be careful how you do it. Discern the body of Christ. They started treating the Lord's table as just a, a meaningless meal. They started forgetting what it meant. They'd come together as an as a, you know, empty ritual. Just come, take, and drink. And then they, they did not stop to discern the body of Christ, that this bread is the body, this cup is the blood. Not that it is the real body or the real blood. Nowhere in the Bible it says that. It's a symbol. Jesus used the bread and said, this reminds of my body. This wine reminds of my blood. Eat it. All of you eat the bread. All of you drink the cup and remember what I'm doing, what I've done for you in the cross. You see, it's not just to remember Jesus no, remember Jesus and what he did and the meaning of what he did, which is very serious because without 
the sacrifice of Jesus, we would die and go to hell. That's serious. But because of Jesus, if we die in this life, we go to heaven. If we are alive, when he comes, we get changed, transformed, and we go to heaven. No matter what happens with Jesus, you go to heaven. You never die and go to hell. There is life. And so we need to understand, when we take part of the stable, discern what's going on. You are connecting with life, with eternity. You are remembering an act, an event, which transformed the universe, transformed your life. So this is not a lekker kry meal nie, man. You know, just get together, eat something. Get, no, 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 no. This is highly symbolic. And it connects you with a real event. A powerful event. You need to understand that. Jesus' body was broken for us. He said, I took upon myself infirmities, sicknesses, disease. So let's trust God to bring healing to our bodies. His blood was poured forth to cover all our sins, to redeem us from all our sins. So as you are taking that, thank God <laughs> that because of his blood, you are not going to be held accountable for your sins. Jesus paid the price for you. But at the same time, as you are drinking that cup, judge yourself and say, Lord, I'm still struggling with this sin in my life, with the short temper, with these bad thoughts, with those wrong tendencies, pornography, sexual this, anger, unforgiveness. Lord, I'm still struggling with that sin. Help me, Lord, to get over it. You judge yourself. Because if you don't judge yourself, God's going to judge you. Don't want to be in that place. Rather own up and let him deal with you mercifully, graciously, and give you the strength. Oh, but pastor, what if I come here today and, and, and I pray and ask him to help me, but then during this month, I do it again. I've got to come in December and say the same prayer again. Listen, you do it as long as it takes. You keep on confessing, you keep on praying until eventually the penny drops. Eventually God does something for you. Don't give up. Because the more you become aware and the more you judge yourself, the more you become aware, not just of your sin, but of God's mercy and God's grace, you are reminded of the right thing to do. The Holy Spirit begins to convict you, to guide you, to strengthen you. But if you just ignore your son, ah, it's okay, it's okay, you know, ah, Jesus will forgive me, it's all right, I can do this, I can do that. Be careful with that kind of attitude. It's not biblical. And Paul said, because of that, taking this table lightly, treating us, oh, it's something lightly, you know, we just go to church, we do it. Because, because of that, some of you guys are getting sick and some of you guys are dying. Not going to hell, but leaving earth before your time. And I don't want that. I want us all to finish our jobs and then go to heaven. We all have a purpose on this life. Amen? So let's not do stupid things which shorten our lives and cut our job short. Let's play the game by his rules. And then you can play full time, amen? If you don't play by the rules, you get yellow card or red card, then you're gone, man. Too soon, gone too soon. Don't want that. Let's play the full game. By doing it the right way. And the Lord's table is one of the ways in which you can do it the right way. So, 
We need to examine ourselves. And that's what he means there. It doesn't mean that you've got to be holy. And I've heard of so many people that they say, no, man, I was so bad this week. I'm not worthy of the table. Or on my way to church, I had a major fight with my wife. I'm not worthy of the table. Listen, if you had a, a fight with your wife, that's good reason to come to the table. And say, God, please sort me out. Help me to understand her better. Help me to understand him better. I need you, Lord Jesus. And you come and you confess your sin. You confess your weakness. Confess your frustration. Let Jesus bring healing. Let Jesus bring restoration. That's what this table is all about. So let's come to the table. Let's not run away. And you see, that's what the devil does. He puts these, all these little traps and, and he gets us as church leaders to invent all these little rules that keeps people away from the table of the Lord. That cup is called the cup of blessing. It's not a cup of curse. It's a cup of blessing. And the devil will do anything to keep you from the cup of blessing. Let's get to the bread. Let's get to the cup. It brings blessing. It brings healing. It enhances your awareness of Jesus in your life, of what he has done in your life, what he's doing, what he's going to do. Amen. Let's not complicate these things. The Jewish Passover was a family event. The whole family got together in Egypt to eat that meal, and then they left Egypt. Until today, when the Jews celebrate Passover, it's a family affair. The whole family gets together, or a couple of families, and they have this wonderful meal. Everybody, from the kiddies to the grandpa and grandma, everybody's there. That is, by the way, the reason why when you do communion, we serve the children as well. It's a wonderful opportunity for you as a parent to start explaining to your child as he's growing and, and he's having this, this little meal, this little cup of juice. And what is this, mommy? You start explaining. We are remembering Jesus. We are remembering an event which happened long ago. We are remembering what Jesus did for you and for me. We are remembering that you are God's children because of this meal. And as, as they grow, you start explaining. Just like they did with the Passover to the little kids, reminding them of the story of their being set free as slaves from Egypt. So we as Christians from young, we start telling our children how we are being set free from the bondage of sin because of what Jesus did. And this table reminds us of what Jesus did. Not just the fact that he existed, but what he did as well. Is this making sense, guys? You see, Jesus... <laughs> He was the author of this meal. This was his idea. It's his table, not my table, not this church's table. He invites us to this table. Let's keep it simple. Let's not complicate things. Let's accept the invitation of Jesus and just do it. Understanding it, discerning it, enjoying it. And doing it as an act which connects us to something which Jesus did for us. Participation in the Lord's table carries an inward and an outward aspect. Inwardly, each one that takes part, we examine ourselves spiritually before the Lord. It's a very personal thing. We rejoice in what he has done. We confess some weaknesses some sins, it becomes a very intimate, personal thing. And outwardly, every participant in the Lord's table, he's proclaiming through that 
Jesus death until he comes. Because Jesus is very clear in that passage. He says, you know what? I'm not going to eat again until I eat it in the kingdom. When he comes to establish his kingdom in its fullness, there will be another communion service. Jesus will be present. Can you imagine what that's going to be like? Huh? You've got a table set, a lot of people, okay? The bread, the wine, and now we're looking at the person who started all this. And I'm sure it's going to be a great revelation. I don't know if it's going to have a 3D, present, 3D presentation or whatever, but it's going to reveal us to us what happened at Calvary, what he suffered, and the price he paid for us. And it's going to be such a great communion service. As we take the bread and as we drink of the cup with Jesus present with us. That is our hope. That is the future. That's the promise of Jesus. And every time we take part in communion on earth, we are remembering and we are prophesying. We are proclaiming the day is coming where you're going to have a meal like this with Jesus. One day is one day. And one day we're going to have the last communion service in this church. Because between the service and the next one, Jesus will come. And then we're going to have that one which you spoke about. The big one. Amen. Until then, let's discern the body of Christ. Let's do it correctly. Let's do it in simplicity. Please don't complicate it. Let's just enjoy it and allow the Spirit of God to do His work in our lives. In closing... Some questions that you can ask yourself whenever you participate in the Lord's Supper or at any time, actually, including right now. These are some good questions to ask ourselves. First of all, am I appreciative of what Jesus has done for me? Do you fully understand? Do you truly realize what Jesus has done for you? Do you appreciate what Jesus has done for me? It is so easy in the rush of life, in the noise of life, to kind of forget the importance of what Jesus did for me. That without him, I would be lost. Without him, I might not, not even be here today. In my personal case, I believe I'm alive today here talking to you because of the intervention of Jesus in my life. Otherwise, I would have died long ago. And, and maybe you too. I think you're here today as a gift of God. Acknowledge that. But above all, I enjoy fellowship with God the Father through the Holy Spirit because of what Jesus did. That is precious. Am I aware of the price Jesus paid for me? Listen, that crucifixion thing wasn't just somebody hanging on a cross. It was a horrible death. An innocent man was framed and murdered on my behalf, on your behalf. Am I aware of the price that Jesus paid willingly, voluntarily, simply because he looked ahead and he saw this little guy, me, and he said, that little guy needs salvation. I'm giving my life for him. And guess what? He saw you too. And he said, that guy 
that lady, that young person needs me, needs salvation. I am giving my life for them. Am I aware of the price Jesus paid for me? Am I living my life in a way that shows my gratefulness to Jesus for what he's done for me? Now, it's one thing to understand what he did, but are you grateful for what he did? Because so many people, they go through the motions. They go to the church, they go to the communion, to the breaking of bread, whatever it is. They go through the motions. And then they walk out of the church and they live just like the biggest sinner they know. They talk using all the best swear words. They drink like a fish until they drop, you know, completely stoned. They cheat and they lie and they do all sorts of horrible things. But they're in church now and then. And they go to church, they look so... Listen, guys, let's live our lives in a way that shows our appreciation. If you understand what Jesus has done for you, the least you can do is align your life to his life. That's why he died for you, to save you from the power of sin. Sin has no power over you. Oh, no, pastor, I can't help myself. I've got to do this. You don't have to do that. You are free in Jesus. Give your life to him and you are free. And as you decide to put those things behind you, the Holy Spirit will come alongside you and give you the strength to stop that nonsense and to live your life in gratefulness to Jesus. And finally, is my heart right with the one who gave his all for me? Again, you can hear the gospel a hundred times, but if you don't respond, it just becomes noise. That's all, going past. The gospel works for you when you take it and you make it your own. Is your heart right with the one who gave his all to you? Simply, what I'm saying is simply this. Have you surrendered your heart to him? Have you said, Lord Jesus, that's it. I give up. I I can't make myself. I can't save myself. I can't change myself. I I believe in you, Lord. I trust in you, Lord Jesus. I want to follow you. Please take my heart. I want to walk in fellowship with you. And then day by day, you continue that conversation, moment by moment. And you let him lead you. As you do your work, as you do your housework, as you study, as you write exams, as you fix your car, as you clean your house, you allow the Lord Jesus, the Holy Spirit, to be in communication with you. Let your heart be together with him. Let your heart be right with the one who did all this because he loved you and you loved me. Amen. So I trust that really going forward, that we'll always, every time we come together and break bread, we'll understand and do it conscientiously, understand the full impact of what this table means. And not only here, but as we leave this place, continue living a life in fellowship with him until he comes. Amen. Let's stand up and let's close in prayer. And let's enjoy the rest of this day. And go into a new week, remembering what he has done for us and taking him with us into this new week, being aware of his presence. So, Father, thank you for your word. Thank you again for this table. Lord Jesus, this is your table, the Lord's table. You have prepared it for us. You have invited us. What a privilege and a joy to us today to be part of your table. And Lord Jesus, as we leave this place, we don't want to forget 
We don't want to leave it behind us as, oh, this was our monthly little ritual. See you again in December. No, Lord Jesus, we want to leave you with our hearts filled with gratitude for what you did for us 2,000 years ago. Filled with gratitude for what you are doing for us today. And filled with grateful anticipation for what you will do for us this week, the rest of this year, the coming years, until we see you face to face, until you return to the glory of our name, Lord. And so now, may the love of God the Father, the grace and the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be upon each one of us until the day of his coming. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful day and a great week. See you again on Sunday. Bless you.